there's a, a verse in, in Romans chapter 7 that talks about uh, the idea that we do the things that we don't want to do constantly. And we don't do the things we, we, we want to do. There's this internal struggle that we have our entire life of, of fighting this and resisting this uh, desire to do the things that we know we shouldn't do and then the desire to, to, to or the, the inability to do the things that we want to do. And those are tied around habits, and, and Jeff mentioned a few of those habits. One being giving, as, as a church, it's a habit that we, we give, and uh, it's a habit that we uh, change our thoughts, and we're able to, to focus on positive things and not negative things. Those are habits that we have. We all have we all have habits, right? There's healthy habits, and there's uh, not-so-healthy uh, healthy habits, right? But most of our life is based on habits. Most of what we do during our day is based on habits. So real quick, I want you to share with someone next to you, or you can just do this for a minute, a healthy habit that you have. So whatever that is, a healthy habit you have, I know all of you have probably one. So share it real quick with someone next to you, a healthy habit that you have. Share it. So uh, it sounds like all of you have healthy habits, uh, which is fantastic. I want to share just real briefly on the power of habit before we get back into our story in Matthew that we've been the last few weeks. Um, but there are things uh, within a habit. Um, it's actually called the habit loop, and I have a photo of this. And this is there's three parts to every habit. There's one, there's a cue, there's a routine, and then there's the reward in a habit. The cue or the prompt is something that happens in your day that triggers you to act in a certain way, right? And then there's the routine of your habit. That's the behavior. That's the action or the the, the actual habit. And then there's the reward. Right? There has to be a reward to it. If otherwise, we wouldn't continue to do it if there, there wasn't a reward to it. So it's about the reward. So let's take, for instance, uh, let's say your habit is drinking coffee, right? Maybe your cue is, is a time of day or, or lack of energy or, or the smell of the coffee at, at work, right? And so that's your cue. Your, your routine would be what? Drinking the coffee. And then what's the reward? Maybe you have energy or, or you're less cranky, right? There's things in there. Uh, how about brushing your teeth, right? Many of us brush our teeth, right? Uh, your cue might be breakfast, right? Or, or being in the bathroom. Well, for my kids, uh, it's, it's their mom screaming at 6 59 in the morning, brush your teeth, right? You know, that's a cue for them to then do what? A routine, brush their teeth. And what's the reward for them? Well, they get to keep their real teeth, right? And if you're from around here, that's a novelty, right? And so, you <laughs> From what I heard. Um, <laughs> Alright. Nail biting. Anybody bite the nails in here? Anyone? You don't want to lift your hands up because you're embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of you bite your nails, right? You know what? There's a study on this of why people bite their nails. Do anyone know why what, what the cue is why people bite their nails? It's 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 the, the, the study finds out that it's anxiety or boredom. That's why people bite their nails. They're bored or they're anxious about something. So that's the cue for most people. The routine was biting their nails, right? Or, or, or for some of you, skin, right? Because there's no nails left. You're just, you're just chewing on those things, right? Um, and what's the reward, you think? What's the reward for biting your nails? Would you want to know and guess what they, what they found in the Sunday reward is? Anyone? Shorter fingernails. Well, that, that's a good idea, but that's not the answer. The answer is they found was pain and discomfort. That's the reward. That your brain actually prefers the pain and discomfort over the boredom and anxiety that you were already in. 
And so that, so rewards can be weird, right? There's this science, this whole science to habits. And so I want to come back to that. But if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. This is the last week we'll be in this, this passage. But I want, to, I want to go there and wrap up this uh, mini-series within a series. Let me read verse 9 to you. It says, as Jesus went on from there. So Jesus is in Capernaum. He's walking around. He just, he's gathering some of his disciples. Um, Jesus sees a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. So we put one and one together. That's a, a, that's a, he's a tax collector. Jesus says, follow me. Thus the red letters. He told him, and Matthew got up, and he followed him. So Matthew's a tax collector, right? He's, he's not a believer. He has many doubts, probably. He's, he's, we know he's living in sin, right? Because he's a tax collector, right? And Jesus invites his tax collector to follow him. And Matthew follows him, which is telling us what? That this invitation to follow Jesus is obviously for everyone. And that's what we talked about the first week. That some of you here, you lack belief. You have doubts about God. You have huge questions about God and about faith. And you think that those things keep you from following God. Or accepting this invitation to follow Him. The answer is no. Those things do not disqualify you from following Jesus. Jesus simply says, follow me. Because we know that it took years for some of his disciples to work through their doubts and unbelief. This was an invitation to live and do life with Jesus. It wasn't Matthew, stop doing this. Or Matthew, start believing this and and then follow me. It was simply, Matthew, follow me. You were made for more. And Matthew, he must have felt this, he must have known this. And so he got up and he followed Jesus. Verse 10 says this. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And this is what we talked about last week. Jesus is unbelievably comfortable being around people with nothing like him. And people who were nothing like Jesus were unbelievably comfortable hanging out with him. Jesus was very strategic about the community he created. You see, we, we tend to uh, surround ourselves with people that we agree with, right? People who look and act and talk and believe the same way we do. Jesus created tension in the community. He invited people who thought, acted, behaved differently. And he put them all in community together. He says, come into a relationship with me. And over time, let's see if some things don't change, right? And that's something we're we're trying to do here at The Grove. A community where everyone belongs. And we admit that we're a mess and that we need God. And we offer a message of hope. And so I said last week, if you're looking for a church where we all look, act, believe the same This will probably not be a church for you long term. We have to create space where we can belong before you believe. This is messy spirituality and this makes for messy ministry, messy church, right? We have to be intentional about creating community just like Jesus did. That means that sometimes here at the Grove, there will be tension. That's just a reality, right? Doing life together with people who have different values, beliefs, habits, that will cause tension. And it will make some of us very uncomfortable. (coughs) 
But I truly believe that when someone enters fully into a relationship with Jesus, things will change. So that's what we talked about the last two weeks. Here's where we're going to pick up in the verse, uh, uh, verse 12 of the story. you got the religious leaders, right? They're, they're going after Jesus. They're, 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 they're upset that he's hanging out with people that Jesus notoriously hung out with, right? And so you don't get a reputation for doing something just one time, right? This was a habit for Jesus. Jesus was known as a person who hung out with sinners. So let me, let me set the scene here, uh, what's going on in this moment in verse 12. Jesus and the disciples, they're, they're hanging out in Matthew's house, right? The music's kind of loud. You know, religious leaders, are, they're, they're kind of rolling by them, coming down the street, right? And they see there's some of the disciples are outside the yard and they're playing cornhole, right? They're just hanging out, you know, they're there. And, and the, 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 the disciples, the, the Pharisees, they stop and they go, Hey, Andrew, James, come here, come here. What in the world are you guys doing here? This is Matthew, the tax collector's house. What are you doing here? They're like, yeah, we know. Jesus invited this guy to follow us, right? You know, and, and they're like, what? Man, you guys are a mess. I don't even think you're Christians anymore, right? You know, you, you need to follow another rabbi. You, know, you need to find someone else. This guy is always hanging out with the wrong crowd. He's always bringing you guys down. And so the disciples, like, you know, they kind of like heads down, you know, and Start walking back to, to the house, and Jesus has made his way to the portion out there, and, you know, and they're like, Jesus, we told you people can talk about us, right? You know, he's like, so Jesus comes, he walks over to the religious leaders that are gathered there in the street, and he says this in verse 12. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Verse 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire for mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. He drops the mic. So, that was Jesus' strategy for communion. He's walking, you know, down the street. He sees Matthew sitting there in the the tax collector's booth. He's like, come follow me, Matthew. This is going to get him. Come follow me, man. Matthew doesn't even know what what it means to follow him. But Matthew knows that there's something missing in his life. He wants more. And so he follows Jesus. In the next verse, we got Jesus and the disciples are at Matthew's house now, right? And we're not sure the time frame in between the invitation to follow and the house party that Matthew throws, right? It could have been 24 hours, it could have been a week, we don't know. But Matthew, at some point, must have been like, man, there's just something about this Jesus guy. I, I have some friends that really need to hear what he has to say. You know, you have those thoughts too, right? You probably have friends that are maybe in a bad spot in life now, right? They're going through some transition, maybe going through a divorce or, or broken relationships. They lost a job, illness, money issues, whatever it is. And you're thinking, man, this story about Jesus is real. If this offer to follow him, to do life together, to have a life change is, is real. I know some people that need to hear the story. Because Matthew was a tax collector. He was aware that no one but other tax collectors even liked him, Right? And so he's thinking that his tax collector friends, they got to be feeling the same way that he feels about life. That there has to be something more to this. He says, my friends, they need this love and grace that Jesus is offering. How can I get them together? He's like, I, I know they won't listen to the podcast. And, and, I, and I know they won't come to church with me if I invite them. 
In, in America, they haven't created the Christmas yet, so I can't get into that service. And, and Easter hasn't happened yet, so I can't run into that service. And so how am I going to get them to hear the story of Jesus? What if I throw a party, he says, right? You know, if anything sinners and tax collectors know how to do, it's party, right? Right? Yeah, so, so how do I know this? Well, Luke tells the same story in his gospel. And he says, not only were there sinners and tax collectors there, but there were others that were there. Which means there were uninvited guests that show up. There were tax collectors and sinners, and then there were these others that just showed up. And you know you throw a good party when uninvited guests show up, right? Right? And so Matthew is throwing this party, and at some point, the religious people show up, right? And they're probably the ones that would be uninvited, but they're the ones that show up. And here's the issue that religious people have, right? We would admit this. Pride and arrogance, right? Same with the, the New Testament and, and today. We seem to take great pride and joy in blowing the whistle when we see sin, right? Like, fall, right? I see it, right? We like that. We love to be the moral referees in church, right? They keep asking. They, they just can't let it go. They need to know, why does Jesus hang out with these types of people? Jesus looks at them and he says, guys, seriously, with all your religious accomplishments, with all your theological understanding, how is it you miss this? These are the people that my heart is breaking for. You think they're the enemy. You think they're what's wrong with society. You think they're a threat to our marriages, our schools, our churches, our freedoms. You think that they're the reason why our culture is the way it is. That they're the enemy, that they're the bad people. He says, you want truth? Here it is. These are the people I love. My heart breaks for them. When you love Jesus, you love who he loves. That's the change that occurs when you and I are in a relationship with him. We love who Jesus loved. Jesus always spent time with people who were far from God. He says, listen guys, I have a cure for their sickness. Why would I stay away from them? Now this is where it kind of gets awkward at the party here. Remember, we're back at this party and Jesus just said, here, I am here for the sick. And the tax collectors are like, oh, we're, we're standing right here. Oh, we can hear you, Jesus, you know. Um, and and, and yeah, we hear what you're saying to the, your religious buddies over there. And they're like, man, hey, Matthew, man, thanks for inviting us. But we're pretty sure that Jesus guy just said we're sick. You know, what, what's the hell about, man? Why are we here at this party? And Matthew goes up to Jesus. And he's like, man, my friends, just, just, they just heard you say that, that we're sick. Do you, do you really think we're sick, Jesus? You know? And Jesus is like, Matthew. It's like, you're a tax collector, man. Your entire life has been about cheating and stealing and lying. You've been a part of these systems that, have, that were created to keep the poor poor, to keep the marginalized people marginalized, and the devalued devalued. And Matthew's like, you're right, Jesus. We're sick. We're, we're a mess. We get it. And that's what we said last week, right? We're a community that can admit we're a mess. We need God. We have to understand the heart of God. And the religious, they just don't get it. Jesus is saying, I am not content just being around people who believe right and behave right. This is not just about gathering on Sundays, believing and behaving. Church is not about that. Community, not about that. There's this element of rescuing that is happening. 
And if we don't partner with Jesus on this, we reduce Christianity into a building full of religious people. We have to reach people who are far from God. You've heard it said before, cliche, church is not a hotel for the saints, it's a hospital for the sinners, right? And here's what I love about the growth. Many of you get this. Many of you have invited your friends, you guys, you care about your friends. I've met people who have been invited by you, and they tell me that, you know, they had this life-changing relationship happen because you invited them to church. And this is a huge part of, of who we are. If we're going to be the community that we're talking about, that welcomes everybody, then we have to get the word out, right? We can't just wait here and hope they show up, right? If you build it, they still don't come, right? You have to invite them here. And there's a lot of power in an invite. But we have to understand the difference between inviting people and informing people. These are the conversations you and I have we have during the week with, with people in the community. Man, we should get together sometime. Hey, our kids need to have a play date. Hey, you want to grab coffee this week? Hey, you need to get together. We need to get together and have dinner one of these nights. Hey, you should come to church with us sometime. Anybody ever say any of those things to people? Some of you need to start saying those things to people. <laughs> Listen, those are not invitations. That's just information. You have informed them about your intention of your heart. That would be really great if we spent some time together. That in a perfect world, getting together would be awesome. But you're not going to get together, are you right? Probably not. Most likely, that is not going to happen. You just informed them of your intent. Here's an invitation. Tuesday, 3.30 after school, let's get together at the playground for our kids to play. Hey, this Wednesday at 6 o'clock, come over to our house for dinner. We have a babysitter lined up already. Let's spend some time together. That's an invitation. And so I want you to think about the invite. But I want you to think about it as a habit. And we talk about habits, cues, routine, rewards. And so I'm going to help you real quick in a practical way this morning. Some cues for this habit of inviting are, hey, we don't go to church anywhere. That's a cue for you to invite them to the growth. Hey, things aren't going as expected. We're going through a divorce. I, uh, I lost my job. Well, man, we're in a financial crisis. That's a cue. Transitional things. We just moved here. Lost a job. Those are cues for you to invite them into community. What's the routine? Well, you invite them to church, or you go have coffee, or you go to the brewery, or you invite them to a small group dinner, right? What's the reward? Life-changing relationship with Jesus. Just like in the video we watched. We get to be with people, she said. Spending time eating, hearing stories, creating space to tell stories. You take what God is already doing and you connect it to your community. And we see signs of resurrection with the smiles and, and, and the hope in their eyes. And it was always being with people. It's always about relationship, Right? When you talk to people that are nearing the end of their life, you never hear them tell stories about how big their house was, how much money they had, what their social status was. Whenever I've done a funeral, and I've spoken with, with family and friends, the stories were always about the people that they had relationships with. That's what mattered in the end. If what matters in the end doesn't matter now, 
priorities are messed up. If your life isn't about relationships now, there's some kind of priority issue going on. Alright, let's finish. Let's close this story. I'm not totally sure how Matthew's house party ends, right? It's not in Scripture. But I, I want to imagine it, something like this. So imagine with me. All Matthew's friends, all his tax collector friends, sinner friends have gone. It's just Jesus and the disciples are there. And the disciples, they're all, they're all passed out on the couches, right? I'm tired. Not the wine. They're just tired. But, you know what the Jesus is, my guess is Jesus is in the kitchen with Matthew. He's probably helping him wash the dishes, right? Because Jesus came to serve. So he's, he's probably helping him clean up. Jesus says, no, Matthew, I'm glad we're alone here. I want to talk to you. I have something to tell you. And Matthew's like, I drank too much. I did not. So he's like, no, that's not it, Matthew. It's like, it was it the music? You don't, you don't like Jewish hip hop, right? You don't like Matthew. No, he's like, nah, it's not about the music. He's like, Matthew, first thing, I love your heart. I love the way you love your friends. Keep your heart soft for them. You see, Matthew, as you become more of a Christ follower, it will become very easy for you to surround yourself with just other Christians, to join a church full of people who think and behave and believe and vote just like you. Matthew, keep your heart soft. Don't ever lose that love for your friends. Those ones that are, that are far from God. And second, Matthew, man, tonight was a blast. Thank you for setting us up. You were strategic. You were thoughtful. Thank you for inviting your friends. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for letting the uninvited stay too. Thank you, Matthew, for creating this atmosphere, this space to tell our stories. And promise me that you will keep taking chances that you will keep being bold. That you will keep using your talents and your skills and the platform and the resources that I give you. Keep using the tools I give you to reach people far from God. Listen, church. I don't know how heaven will be like exactly. I don't know. But what if we're there and we get to throw a huge dinner party and we get to invite everyone who has been impacted by the Grove Church and we're there and we get to tell our stories. And Jesus is there because it's his party, right? And he says, listen, I want to make a toast to the Grove. He says, guys, you weren't the perfect church. In fact, you wanted a lot more than you should have. Two things. Thanks for keeping your heart soft for the people that other churches have given up on. Thanks for loving your friends, your co-workers, your family. And thanks for leveraging the platform and the influence and the resources I gave you. Thanks for taking risks, for being bold and for not bowing down to the criticism. Thank you. Keep loving people into the kingdom of God. Wouldn't that be great? That we're celebrating all the lives that we've impacted and changed because we took the influence that God gave us and loved people that were far from God. That's what this place looks like. Where everyone's welcome. We admit we're a mess. We all need God. We offer hope. 
At the end of the day, personally speaking, at the end of the day, when I look at Jesus in the eye, I want to be guilty of inviting too many people in rather than be known for keeping too many people out. Pray. God, thank you so much for this responsibility you've given us to love the people that you've loved. God, use us in this community, all over this area, to have an impact for you, to be a place that welcomes everybody, a place where we can make space to tell our stories and admit our mess and admit that we need a Savior, and a place that offers hope that when we enter into a relationship with you, we can change. <laughs> Lives can be changed. Hearts can be changed. And this place looks more and more like the kingdom of God every day. Thank you for inviting each one of us, wherever we were on our journey, wherever we are now, to follow you. To do what you did, to love who you love, to go where you go and serve who you serve. May that be the heartbeat of this place. In your name we pray. Amen.